So here's the question. How can e-commerce leaders make sure that they are producing a great product, providing a world-class customer experience, responsibly managing their finances, and still reserve time, energy, and resources for marketing their products? My name is James Sowers, and you're listening to the E-Commerce Insight Show, the podcast that gives you specific, actionable advice for growing your e-commerce business. Every Monday, you'll get a conversion rate optimization tactic that you can implement quickly to make your business 1% better every single week. Every Thursday, we sit down with industry experts to go deep on a specific aspect of running a successful e-commerce business. It's the perfect blend of learning and application, which means that you maximize the value of every single minute you spend with us. We're just as committed to growing your business as you are. So if you're looking for a partner to help you crush your revenue goals, you've come to the right place. Roll up your sleeves and grab a notepad because it's time to get to work. Hey, Ben, welcome to the e-commerce insight show. Thank you so much for joining us today, especially because as I hear you're coming back from some paternity leave, you've got a new little one that you added to the family. So time is even more valuable than it's ever been for you. So thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here today. First, before I get into anything that's less important, how's the family? How's everybody doing adjusting the new baby? We're doing great. We're having fun. This is number two for us. And she's actually like her temperament's amazing. We're having fun. Yeah. It's double the challenge and double the reward. That's what I say, at least in my experience. I got two here at home too. Congratulations to you guys again. So happy to hear the news and hopefully you get back into the swing of things with work here and it's not too painful for you. Thanks. So listen, maybe we'll kick things off. Like I try to skip the whole life story, but mainly where are you at today? What are you guys working on at Privy? And what's a project that's coming around the bend or that's in the works that has you excited that you're excited to share with the world here in the future? Yeah. I'm the founder and CEO over at Privy. We are known for our site conversion tools like pop-ups and shipping bars and cross-sells. We're used by Shopify stores in the hundreds of thousands and very thankful to be in a position where we can kind of coach and educate customers on how to grow faster. Mm -hmm. So over the years, we've expanded. What I'm most excited about is like lately, we've really honed in on our sweet spot, which is small brands that are doing between zero and a million. We think that's the right spot for us to focus between the ease of use and the coaching model that we bring to the table. We've expanded into more of that all-in-one. So site conversion along with messaging, whether that's through email or text. Awesome. That is some impressive scale. And I'm sure that as you start to target this kind of early stage SMB market, that's only going to accelerate because we know there are more of those than the enterprise brands. And so yeah, really excited to see the momentum and see it kind of continue to build through what you guys are doing. So what we're going to talk about today primarily is audience growth and list growth. You can kind of lump those two things together. One's a little more technical, one's a little more philosophical. But if we take ourselves and we put ourselves in the shoes of that early stage brand owner kind of trying to get to their first million, maybe they're making a hundred grand a year or something like that. How can they build their audience? I mean, the default is like pay for Facebook ads. That's how you get attention. And then if you have a good PDP and a good product, then you'll start selling and you'll start capturing emails and you start growing your audience that way. Are there any strategies that are outside of the paid advertising arena that you recommend as far as attracting that initial attention and starting to build your audience when you're starting from scratch? 100%. I mean, I follow you, James, on Twitter. I follow a bunch of other kind of entrepreneurs on Twitter and I... I'm blown away at what I see, right? Matt Lady is someone that comes to mind. You do a lot of this, like this is the type of stuff that I used to do when we were 100,000 in revenue pushing towards a million. And it's something that, you know, I wish more e-commerce entrepreneurs really understood. But if you have any amount of sales already, like cheers, that's amazing. But then I think 
before you just like rush into buying ads, and I know that's an important play, use social media, right? Like find your audience online. And I think one of the things that I coach a lot around is like getting super specific. So, you know, you heard it for us at Privy, we're getting tight on that zero to a million. But for you, whatever you're selling online, like get really, really specific, not just selling to women, you're selling Mm -hmm. to 25 to 30 year old women in these regions, right? And when once you do that, then everyone lives online, right? So you can find whether it's Facebook groups or Quora responses, which is somewhere where I used to spend a lot of time, or Reddit or mm-hmm. Twitter search, like wherever that is, or Instagram search, hashtags, right? Like use that stuff, find the people that are relevant to you that you want to sell to and help them. Don't rush into selling in the comments, but if there's real questions that are coming up where you have expertise and you can add value, do it. Mm-hmm. And I find that I'm still doing that. We're above 10 million, right? Like, But that's the type of stuff that everyone says it doesn't scale. I think it really does scale and it can help you build a brand kind of in a grassroots way alongside that paid effort if that's what you're doing as well. Yeah, a bunch of interesting elements in there that I picked up on. One is this kind of concept of working in public, which I love. It's like, hey, share your rough draft, like share your wireframe, share your half-baked product, like where it's on the assembly line, not quite finished. And like, be a little bit vulnerable and say, hey, I'm not sure about this material. I feel it. It's not super soft. It's like soft enough, but like, I want it to be better. What do you guys think? And like, engage your audience in that way. The other thing I heard from you is really nailing down who that audience is, not just like people who are outdoor enthusiasts, but people who specifically like to go on long treks through the mountains that are 20 miles or more. I don't know, something like that, right? Like getting super niche. And I think a lot of the objection that you'll hear from people is my audience isn't online, right? Well, now more than ever, I bet they are because outside in the real world, things are starting to slow down or shut down and they got to find a home and they're not just going to abandon their hobbies or their interests or their work or whatever it is that you're product addresses, they're going to go try to find it elsewhere. So there are going to be those watering holes online that you can hang out with. The point there, though, I think is make sure that you're leading with value, not with the sale, right? Like you want to be the trusted advisor is the mantra or the persona that I try to embody. It's like, I want to be your advisor to help you make a good purchasing decision. And I'm confident I stand behind my product that mine is going to end up being the best, but you don't lead with the product, right? You lead with the value. A hundred percent. And I think like, you can be doing this weekly. That's the beautiful thing about the internet is like a search on Quora today for people hiking in the Appalachians or whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever you're selling into will reveal something. But I guarantee like in a week or two weeks, that same search will have a more recent kind of thread on it. And so I find that like just getting in the habits and blocking time weekly to respond, to add value, to just support the community Mm -hmm. authentically. And then, yeah, like maybe you can afford to send them a a free sample of what you're launching, right? Ahead of launch, get that feedback, honest feedback, that sort of thing. I think just if you can get in the rhythm of doing that stuff early, you're going to build a name for yourself and your brand within the niche that you're trying to target. The beautiful thing about that is you're working to build content. And sure, the content originally is starting for maybe these question and answer sites or on social, but then you can kind of templatize it and turn it into stuff on your blog to grow organically and have that be the gift that keeps on giving. That's another thing that like early on, you just don't see a lot of e-commerce brands doing. Like how many brands that you check out their site even have a 
blog these days, but I do find that they are very engaged on social right. and they're creating all this creative for, for ads. And I think if they just kind of repurpose some of that and repurpose some of that authentic organic social media stuff and they do that early, that's going to really get back over time. It's kind of like a flywheel, right? Like it's it's hard to push and get moving in the beginning, but once you make it part of your standard operating cadence, then it gets a lot easier and it starts to drive better results too. Awesome. So they're hanging out on these online watering holes. They're being value-added members of communities. They're using their personal network. They're getting out there and starting to see some of that initial traffic. New prospect hits their website. How do you advise brands to prioritize like the audience building, like capture the opt-in versus that could potentially get in the way of a direct sale. And so in the early days, you don't want to come between a customer and the purchase, right? But at the same time, you do want to retain that person through your audience because you want a subsequent purchase, you want a referral, you want to maximize the value of every touch that you get. So how do you advise brand owners to kind of weigh those two options? Do I want to prioritize list building? Do I want to prioritize the sale? There's a lot there. I would start by just being brutally honest about what you're selling, right? Is this a Mm -hmm. considered purchase or is this a something that someone sees on an Instagram ad and they they'll buy it today. And I think Mm -hmm. whatever the path, like that's totally fine. But I think if you understand that and get that input from your customers, then I think you can make better decisions here. So like, I'll give a good example. So we've worked forever with this awesome company called Project Repat, which is one of these things where you send in a box of nostalgic t-shirts that you have, and they turn it into this beautiful quilt. And they do it here in the US. It's really a great company and great story. And they know that like the first time someone comes to their site, it's just highly unlikely they're ready and they're going to buy it, right? Because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's some work involved, whatever. And so I think for them, they recognize that early they did everything they could to optimize the first site experience around capturing the lead and then educating them through email and bringing them back to the site when they're ready. Versus like Connor on my team who sells a couple of different things on Shopify stores. One is presets or filters for your photos. Mm -hmm. It's a digital product. And he knows that within a day or two of someone coming to that site, if they don't purchase, then they're never going to. And so I think like once you understand where you sit in that spectrum, then you can design experiences to optimize for the right thing. You know, I think once you know where you land on that spectrum, then you can design the right experience. And so I'm always a fan of capturing an owned direct relationship, whether that's email or text. I think for obvious reasons, I've been preaching about this for eight years, but I think there's nothing more valuable than that. And so, you know, I would just say like, if you're on the fence, you're probably on the fence because you've encountered really negative experience before around like forms and Mm pop-ups. And these things have come a long way when it comes to like design and targeting and triggers. And so maybe what you want to do if you're on the fence about it is let that person come have a great experience on the site, track their behavior in their first visit And then like a little bit later, if they're showing signals of intent, but non-purchase, then you can prompt. Mm -hmm. Like if they've looked at three products this session and scrolled all the way to the bottom of the story page and now are leaving, like that's pretty solid, right? Versus someone who just hits the homepage and bounces. 
So it sounds like there are a few variables to consider there. Maybe one is even price point. If you have like a high ticket item, people generally aren't going to purchase that on first landing on your page because it's not a discretionary decision that they're making. So that might be an opportunity for you to build your list and nurture that lead through education or content or whatever else you have. Whereas if you're selling $8 Photoshop lighting presets, that's more of kind of a knee jerk. I need this right now. I'm working on a client project or I want to do one of my personal photos. So I'm going to buy this today or I'm not going to buy it at all. Maybe that's where you get out of the way and just let that sale happen. So yeah, that's super interesting. And I I love how you broke that down for us. Now, I'm curious in terms of when that kind of opt-in offer is made, how do you recommend that happens? Because like you said, these things have come a long way. And at The Good, we always talk about how we hate those three-second pop-ups, right? Like three-second, I just hit the site. I don't even know what you do really because my friend sent me here and you're already offering me 20% off, positioning yourself as like kind of a discount brand. I don't even know if I want the thing yet, right? But you're asking for my email. So what if I close that pop-up and then I decide I do want the discount because I actually read your landing page? Like, I don't know how to get that back, right? And so those kinds of experiences are poor. And I'm hoping that you and I can agree on that. But in terms of the tooling that powers those kinds of things, that's come a long way. And if it's done correctly, both in terms of what the actual offer is, right, the incentive is, and when it's presented, then I think it can be a crazy growth lever for the audience and for your sales. So how are you guys thinking about that now as we sit here in 2020? Like, what are some of the best practices you're seeing in terms of leveraging a tool privy to present an offer at the right time in the right context to maximize whatever your conversion is, whether that's a list sign up or an actual purchase? Yeah, love it. I think the most important part of designing for conversion is probably to remove friction at each step of the buying process, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, we know that there's certain things that drive friction, like not understanding shipping early enough in the buying journey, right? So, of course, okay, start with a, a dynamic shipping bar or a free shipping mm-hmm. bar if that's something that you offer. But as it relates to like going for the, the list sign up, you know, I think there's a couple kind of tools in the toolbox that, that are really important. So the first is what's called a tab. Mm-hmm. So a tab is something that you can customize like where this sits and how it looks. It can look like a, a notification bar that spans the page. It can be like one of these little dialogue boxes. It can be just a, a little bit of text with an image. And you can put it anywhere. And what we found is that letting the visitor prompt the form itself using copy and design in the tab is going to lead to really, really high intent signups. Mm -hmm. And I actually recommend that people do pair that with some automatic triggers. Like the tab, you got to click it. So we call it a manual trigger versus like exit intent Mm -hmm. paired with some advanced targeting rules. So, you know, I think that's an important thing. And like you said, like it may not make sense for you to load a pop-up on welcome. You know, I think the thing about pop-ups is you can design them any way you want. They can look amazing or they can look awful. They can add value. They can make you laugh. They can make you cry. Like it's really just an avenue for designing something that gets in front of the user. So the thing that matters most is what you're saying in it and how it's targeted and triggered. So I think what you're saying in it matters a lot because we've seen that actually has the biggest impact on conversion. So we call it the offer, but it really can be a number of things, right? It can just be join our email list and you'll be like part of our VIP club that gets access to stuff. Or it could be more of a discount, which is join our email list and we'll give you a code. 
But there's other kind of crafty ways to do this too, which is like join our email list and you'll get a free gift Mm -hmm. with your purchase for joining the club, right? So I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. But, you know, what we say and what we've seen in the data is that you can start anywhere. You can start without a discount. You can start super targeted. And what you'll see is you'll end up converting about 1% of traffic. And then that's like, just join my list, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you start to experiment, whether it's free gift with purchase or 10% off when you join those things, and this is why you see them so prevalently is they convert much higher percent of people that see it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I think maybe the core message, at least that I want to communicate here is like the tools have gotten better. You can be way more creative with when you present these things and how the visitor has to interact with them and even what your call to action is. But I don't think the brands have like come along with that journey, right? Not most of them. Some of them are taking advantage of it and they're doing fantastic, I'm sure. But still, consistently, when I hit a site, within three seconds, full screen pop-up, takes over everything I'm doing, 20% off, that kind of stuff, like that drives me batty. Even an exit intent would be better than that. And it might not convert as high, but from a user experience perspective, it's a little bit better. Like if we were to continue our hiking example that we used earlier, maybe an incentive for something like that that's a little more creative than a straight discount is, hey, this is a big purchase you're about to make because I know those backpacks aren't cheap. I don't do a whole lot of hiking, but I know those overnight, those big overnight backpacks where you're going to hike the Appalachians, hundreds of dollars, right? So what if instead of offering a discount, you had a slider or pop-up or however you want to present it that says, here's our buyer's guide to help you buy the perfect pack for your trip, right? Your size, how big you are, what you need to take with you, how far you're traveling, all this stuff. Here's a buyer's guide that tells you the whole landscape. So you make the right decision and we're confident that our product will stand out above the rest, but we're going to help you make this purchasing decision either way. To me, that feels a little bit more, I don't know, organic's not the right feel, but like a healthier way to form a relationship with somebody than just like, here's a discount or even a free gift's not as bad, but like the discounts really drive me crazy. It's like, you're just slashing your margin just to get somebody in the door. Is that really how you want to start any relationship? Yeah. Content offers work Yeah, for sure. Right. I've learned this a lot this year, working with Dave on my team. Like one of the biggest things that I've realized is like, Everything you do in marketing needs to center around an offer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's a coupon, but it needs to be something of value if you're trying to get the consumer to do something, right? So in your case, it's actually, hey, I think I can help you with your considered purchase by writing the best guide to buying a tent or whatever, right? That's an amazing offer, right? So I think it boils down to that, right? So can you come up with something that really adds value to your customer and if you can, then you 100% should because, and, and I'd argue everyone can, it just takes right. effort, really, and strategic thinking. And what would you just describe that content download, that's going to perform better than a form that just says, join my list, for sure. Right. right. And then, you know, the other side of it, too, is like, I think there is a economic equation. We've seen it in the ad spend world, right? You hear it all the time, like CAC and LTV and all that stuff. Like when it comes to email acquisition too, there is a revenue per contact number. Right. And people who have really well implemented email programs see that and they say to themselves, my gosh, if I can grow my list, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of that brand equity because I know that I'm going to make it on the back end. That's what we've seen is like not everyone on your list is going to make a purchase, but we just updated our numbers. It's actually over 20 bucks per lead. 
Yeah, and the difference between that and paid advertising through something like Facebook is on Facebook, you pay $5 per person to even get in front of them, right? Whereas like, there's no chance you're even paying a dollar per person through a tool like Privy to have a list of 5,000. Like you're not paying $5,000 a month to get an ad in front of them, but you would on Facebook, right? And so the return on that investment in terms of growing your list and staying in touch with them and nurturing those relationships is potentially much higher than straight paid advertising that somebody might be used to. Totally. And like, look, there's no skirting it, right? It's November 9th when we're recording this. So, you know, we're two weeks out from the biggest selling weekend of the year. I saw last week there was like an outage for Facebook ads. And so, you know, I think what I've seen now eight years in Black Friday is basically that the brands that have really put as much effort into site capture Mm -hmm. as they do into their email nurturing or their CRO or their personalization are the ones that really shine on Black Friday. Because even if Facebook goes down, you've been building your list all year long. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's this good, better, best kind of outcome. If you're paying for traffic during this high volume time of the year, the good outcome is that they at least like explored your site and they got familiar with the brand. The better is they joined your email list and the best is they obviously purchased. And you want to make sure that you're checking the box for all three of those to maximize the investment that you're making there, I suppose. And like a lot of people say, oh, well, nobody reads email anymore. And I always say, yeah, they read the ones they like. Like they read <laughs> the good ones, right? And your goal is to be the good one, right? Yeah, totally. sure. They send a lot of stuff to spam. They archive stuff without reading it. But but the best ones do still shine through. And those companies who are behind those are doing really well, I'm sure. Yeah. And by the way, on that note, the people that do it the best are the ones that actually are engaging with their customers, like we said in your first mm-hmm. kind of question for me, which was about building an audience. Like the people that understand their customers best and are the most specific can create the most valuable content, whether that's a content download or in, in email. And I think like that's how you win is engaging and speaking with your customers around topics that they actually care about. Couldn't agree more. So we have a hypothetical company that's gotten through the early stage. Going from zero subscribers to 1,000 is one thing. I imagine going from 1,000 to 10,000 is another thing. And it continues to get harder from there. So what are some of the differences between early stage audience building, getting that initial traction versus like the mid or late stage audience building where it's like you have this foundation here, maybe the same tactics don't work as your business grows, or maybe there are secondary and tertiary tactics you need to layer on top to grow things even more. Are there any best practices you're seeing for the more established companies that already have some audience, but are still trying to continue that growth inevitably? In the beginning, like I hate to say there's formulas because there is none for growing a business, but I feel confident that I could help a entrepreneur that has 100-person lists get to 1,000 pretty quickly with, with some of the standard types of things that we do. When you get a little bit bigger, the theme of continuity is something that stands out for me. And like I hate the word personalization so much. It kills me. I think it feels cumbersome for a lot of marketers out there. But continuity is something that makes more sense, right? So if you're doing ad targeting or you're driving traffic to your store for segments of people on Facebook that are into camping Mm -hmm. and the ad creative that you spent time and money building out shows a orange tent. When you're presenting your content download through a privy form, it should probably show that same orange tent. That's what I mean by continuity. And those concepts are actually really simple to unlock. You could hit just the audience that clicked that ad. You know what ad it was, and you're presenting them with creative and a content offer that 
marries that experience together. And like, that's the type of stuff that is the level 201 as opposed to the level 101. And it's always like this aha moment when marketers realize they can do that stuff because it it's something they already do and understand in their paid worlds. It's something they already do and understand in their triggered email world. Mm-hmm. And this is really just making sure that you, you've got it in the middle of your funnel as well, which is your website, right? So if you're not doing that stuff and your business is at a couple million in revenue, I'm willing to put a lot of money on the line that you could be growing way faster with a little bit more thought into how the traffic's coming to the site and creating a matching experience on the site to go for the opt-in. Yeah, it can be totally disorienting, right? Like imagine if you walked up to a store and it said Nordstrom, but then you walked in and it was like an old Navy on the inside. It's like, what? (laughs) This is not what I signed up for, right? This is not what I was expecting. So it can be super jarring. Yeah. And you guys talk about that too a lot, right? Like that could be even something as simple as male or female. Right. Right. So if I'm clicking on a a male oriented ad, like just drive me to the right experience, right? Mm -hmm. You already know. Are you that on top of that, you need to add the right like type of opt in? And you shouldn't be asking me if I'm a a male or a female, right? In that pop up, because that experience should drive that at least relatively accurate assumption for you. Sure. One strategy that I wanted to specifically get your thoughts on for this kind of mid-stage to late-stage type of thing is partnerships or cross-promotions, right? Like I've kind of exhausted the watering holes that I know exist for my audience. Most of those folks are already on my list, but there are other companies out there, other brands that kind of have some overlap between our target market. Maybe I can go with them. I could do a webinar, a workshop, a live event, whatever makes sense. And then typically when you co-host or co-brand an event like that, there's some kind of audience sharing, right? Like that you capture the signups for that and then those are kind of shared across the organization. So I'm curious how you think about one, this is a strategy and two, just the logistics of how you manage the interested parties after the event's over and you're ready to integrate them into the rest of your audience. Look, I think there's no better way to grow your audience than to partner with someone else that has a similar a different audience. Look at what you and I are doing, Mm -hmm. right? I've got my e-commerce marketing school podcast. You've got this podcast. We're both on social media. We'll share it around. This will help grow both of our shows. Mm -hmm. But I struggle on the shared email capture side. I really do. Like I've seen a lot of brands do it. They do a landing page and there's all this text that says like, oh, by signing up, you're going to probably get emails from both. I think it's confusing. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan and all for it in terms of like top of funnel before capture, especially on social media. I think that can work really well. And then whatever the event is, like if it's a podcast or an in-person event when that stuff happens again, like you kind of need to nail that experience so much that the right people come forward and express mm-hmm. interest. Like I haven't really seen too many co-marketing initiatives work that just like drop people into the newsletter and people are like, wait, what is this thing again? Like, yeah, I think you could certainly like increase the likelihood of success there by tailoring it and making it like, Hey, James, thanks for joining my shared podcast with Ben, you know, like <laughs> that might give you a better shot, but you got to kind of win over the hearts and minds in the event itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is a different world. So I'll share an example that we've done at The Good through the agency world, but maybe there's something that an e-commerce brand owner can take away from it. But we've done webinars with other brands and they say, hey, here's the email list from the event. Thanks for coming to be a co-host. 
And so I've never felt great about just dropping those folks onto our list. So what I do is I have kind of a templated email that I customize by say, hey, just following up on the event. By the way, here are the slides that we presented with all the speaker notes in there. So you've got that. That's kind of like the recap. And then I say, hey, if you have 30 seconds, I just want to introduce you to us and some of the other stuff we have going on. I think it might also be valuable for you. And we lead with all the free stuff like here's our podcast. Here's our insights newsletter that we publish every Tuesday. The free value, I give them a bonus. So I like to like frame it as a bonus. Thanks for attending the event. Here's your bonus resource. It's our Black Friday, Cyber Monday preparation guide, right? Like there's that right up front because this is an important time of year and we want to help you. And then in the back end, at the very end of the email, it's like, by the way, here are our services and some of that more like transactional type of stuff. In that email, I have a link that says, click here if you want to automatically be added to like our insights marketing list. And that's it. And, And the folks that do that are the right folks. And the folks that don't, That's fine because they'll see us somewhere else at the next event and the next event and seven exposures to us might result in that ultimate signup. But to me, I've always felt like that's a fairly respectful way to maximize the value of the partnership, but also respect the attendees time and attention in their inbox and get the right people in the door. Because we all know we don't want to pay for a 50,000 email list if only 10,000 of them are even interested. So I don't know how you think about that example or any reactions you might have to that, but I'd love to hear them. No, I think that's smart. And look, I think in a big ticket or high average order value world, you can take that time. Mm-hmm. If you're selling you know, $30 average order value, you, know, you might not have that luxury. So I think you got to pick and choose wisely. I think there's tremendous value in sharing audiences, but I think just got to be careful with how you execute on it after the audience is shared. Yeah, for sure. How do you think about once somebody has effectively built their list, they've gotten somebody to opt in, what are some of the things like post opt-in that brand managers should be thinking about, right? Like whether it's experiential or whether it's from a sales aspect, like what are some of the things they should make sure that they're checking the box on in terms of as soon as somebody joins your list, you probably want a welcome message. And then what is the most important stuff to think about after that? There's a couple of things. So first, remember that they're on your site, they just put their email into your form and they submitted, right? And so mm-hmm. whatever sort of expectation you set leading up to that, like if you offered a content download or a coupon code or whatever it is, or a free gift with purchase, like while they are still on your site, make sure like with 100% certainty, they understand that it worked. Give them a confirmation screen over your website and show them how to access whatever you promise them. Because I think a lot of people just assume like, oh, if I send them an email, that's fine. But without that confirmation, like I may not know that it worked. I may have to leave your site to go get it, which is a huge no-no in my mind. Like you worked hard to get them there. Just make it clear that you'll send it later or here's the code or whatever. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. Then like you said, I think a huge missed opportunity is not sending an immediate welcome email. There's so much context and specificity there that like you got to nail that and that sets the tone. A lot of people don't and just like wait till their next like broadcast or whatever. And then it's like, I've looked at 30 other websites. I've bought something on Amazon. I've watched a show on Netflix. Like I might've just completely forgot who you are and just opt out of your newsletter, right? So I think the welcome email or the autoresponder, whatever you want to call it is pretty critical after sign up. And then another thing I would say is like, once you've captured the email on the site, it's important to recognize that, right? So if you're driving traffic to your site, especially from email, you want to make sure that you're excluding those audiences from pop-ups, mm-hmm. unless you're actually trying to target them, in which case you shouldn't be asking them for their email ever again, right? So 
there's a little bit of work there to just make sure that like you understand top of funnel and post form, middle of funnel as it relates to the traffic coming on your site, right? So I think those are just a couple things to think about after the opt-in. Sure. And I'm just purely curious. So it's pretty interesting that somebody can opt into your email list and then the next time they visit your site, they don't see that pop up. That's something that a lot of people probably aren't doing. And that's probably as easy as toggling a switch or checking a box and making sure that doesn't happen. So go check that out in whatever tool you're using. But I'm curious, like, has technology evolved to the point where, let's say somebody, a cold visitor comes through Google, hits my site, joins my email list, they get their incentive, whatever it was. Then the next time they come to my site, can I show them a new call to action? If I got the 20% discount up front, the second time they come back, I want them to download a free guide or whatever. Like we can kind of dynamically insert that based on where they're at in their customer journey. Cause that's next level. That's pretty awesome. A hundred percent. When you talk about like our mid-market business, right? Like the brands that are growing that are using Privy, like that's where the magic happens, right? Because I know that they're on my list. I know what did they do on that purchase? Did they make an order Mm -hmm. or not? And based on those things, you can hit them with like a little fly out and like, hey, you were checking out this product. Did you have any questions or whatever that is? Or you forgot this in your cart. Maybe they forgot it and we saved your cart for you and your size and all of that. Just click here to get back to it, right? So there's a number of things that you can do. Or, hey, you signed up last time you were here and we gave you a unique coupon for free gift with purchase. Like, let's just show them that remind them that there's all sorts of stuff that you can do there that we've seen to be really effective. That's pretty incredible. And that's just a sign of what we keep saying is like the technology has taken this leap forward. Go read the user manual for whatever tool you're using, because I bet it does some really cool stuff. Because even I'm just thinking here, the default is pop up with 20% discount, whatever. So what if we just flipped it around and the initial CTA is that tent buyer's guide, right? Like, And if they download that, And inside of that PDF that they get, there's a link to your tent. If they click through that and come back to your site, then show them the big pop-up and say, hey, thanks for downloading the guide, right? Notice you're checking out the tent we recommended. Here's 10% off on it because, you know, you've gone through the first two steps and shown some interest or whatever. Like, to me, that's not just a more respectful way to present it to the customer, but probably a more effective way. Like, you probably, your conversion rate on that tiny little funnel, not your big picture conversion rate, but on that tiny funnel for that tent through that channel is probably going to be crazy if you lead with value and then present the discount when they've shown interest. Yeah, I love that. I love that vision. Or a couple other like segments that could be interesting to target would be repeat visitor non-purchase. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is your second or third or fourth, whatever you choose, visit to the site and you still haven't made an order. One that I talk about a lot is what we call cart saver, which is you can identify how much money someone has in their cart. So let's say your AOB's 20 bucks, but someone has a hundred bucks in their cart right now and they're looking at their cart and then they're exiting right? Like that's an interesting opportunity, right? So the big message here is really like the same level of thought and detail and targeting you're putting into your triggered messaging Mm -hmm. or your ad buying or your site conversion. Like you can add continuity and relevance from on-site displays. Awesome. Just one more question for you. So you guys always like to highlight some of the brands using Privy and the great work that they're doing with them and using some of these more advanced tactics, like the one that we're talking about. I'm curious, have you seen any interesting or emerging trends 
coming in this space, or maybe that takes the form of, hey, here's a brand that's doing a great job at not just lead capture, but also using email marketing after the lead capture, that type of thing. Like if I were going to point folks in some direction of like, either this is a trend that's emerging, you should keep an eye on it, or this is a brand that's really nailing this and you should go subscribe just to look over their shoulder and see how they're deploying this. Anything jump to mind for you in that regard? Yeah, I think there's a couple trends that we're seeing. So the first is just a lot of people thinking about the strategy of collecting email and SMS. And you know, I think, what should they prioritize? Should they prioritize text or email or whatever? And I think when you get into the nitty gritty of it, you likely don't want to abandon the list that you've mm-hmm. been building over the last five years, even if you are excited to test SMS. So SMS list is always going to be much smaller than your email list. It's a bit more of an intimate setting. And so what we're seeing is some interesting tactics around growing both, which is ideally you're using a tool like Privy where you understand if someone opted into email and text separately and can sync to the right places, right? But we always recommend prioritizing email capture first and then based on other attributes, like maybe they're back to the site or maybe they've spent an amount with you and they're back to the site. Like those are great opportunities to capture the phone second, Mm -hmm. like further down the funnel. Or we are seeing a lot of success right now with people that are front page email capture, second page with an integration to Postscript, a partner of ours capturing phone. So that stuff works too. But that's a hot button in the industry right now. But I think for my money, I would still focus on building the list at the top of the funnel, the email list, and targeting specific audiences that are either already on your email list or have rejected that for a number of times or are super loyal before prompting SMS. And then the other kind of new trend we're seeing is around like cross-sell. So using all of this data that we've talked about, to kind of increase AOV through flyouts or pop-ups, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the more you can lean on a singular technology and cookie tracking and targeting, the more interesting things you can do to piece together a conversion experience that adds value and drives more sales, right? And so, you know, you know someone's on your list and you know what's in their cart right now and you know what other products might go well with that. You see this on Amazon or Wayfair, they're suggesting other things, right? You can use all of that together. And that's another area where we've seen a lot of these mid-market merchants really squeezing more out of the traffic that they have. Yeah, I've seen a few of those in the wild too, and they just seem so smart to me. I've seen, so the related products one, but I've also seen related brands. I don't know if you've seen co-op commerce yet, but it's a new tool, I think, that is like, okay, you bought from us, and because we are organic grass-fed beef or whatever, you might also like these three brands that's right there in the checkout. I thought that was just super smart. Obviously, you would probably want to keep that in-house as much as you could, but in the absence of like selling, cross-selling into one of your products, cross-selling into a brother or sister brand type of thing would be kind of cool too. So awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Listen, Ben, I'll let you get back to your day. I know you got the little one back there and you probably want to go for some cuddles. So if I could give you a couple minutes here at the end of the show to tell folks where they can learn more about you, more about Privy and anything else you've got working on, this is your opportunity to take the stage and plug anything you'd like. Yeah, for sure. So a big part of our brand is education and being a destination to learn. Part of that is our daily podcast that I run the e-commerce marketing school. So go check that out. And if you're not using Privy, you can be growing your list faster and driving more sales, privy.com. 
Awesome, Ben. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the time. Hopefully we'll have you back here for some new big feature launch in the future because I know you guys are always cooking something up over there. You don't have to share it today. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I know there's something in the works. So I can't wait to see what you guys come out with next. And we'll have you back on the show to talk about how merchants can use it more effectively. Awesome. Thanks, James. Cool. Thank you. Hey, everybody, this is James again. And before you go, I just wanted to invite you to join one of the coolest things I get to work on as director of marketing here at The Good. It's called the e-commerce insiders list, and it's a private version of this podcast feed that gets you access to tons of additional bonus content like extra interviews, Q&A sessions, website teardowns, and anything else we can dream up. It doesn't cost you anything but your email address, and we promise to always respect your inbox. This is just our way of forming stronger relationships with our listeners and making sure that we produce content that is actually valuable to you and to your business. If you're interested, you can join the rest of the e-commerce insiders by going to thegood.com slash podcast and dropping your email into the form at the top of the page. We'll follow up with directions for how to access the private feed and you'll be off and running. Like I said, this is one of my favorite things that I get the opportunity to work on because it lets me interact directly with e-commerce founders and leaders just like you. If you're interested, I'd love to see your name pop up in my notifications. Until then, keep an eye out for the next episode of the e-commerce insight show and we'll talk to you soon.